0: Alright guys, welcome to episode number four of the Nomadic Outdoorsman podcast, and I had a ton of fun today recording with a good friend of mine, Drew Edwards. Drew and I have been hunting, fishing, camping, you name it, together for a lot of years, and so this was a good time to just catch up, to reflect on some of those hunts, to share a little bit about what's going on on the property that we primarily whitetail hunt, and that's actually where we recorded today, so I apologize for the sound quality, It was actually in my old house, and there are wood floors and bare walls right now, and so there was a lot of echo. Hopefully that doesn't come through on your end, but if it does, I apologize now for it. Drew and I were actually out there checking trail cameras, hanging a new stand for him, checking on food plots, and just kind of getting a game plan together for what opening day is going to look like. We're only about a week away from that here in Missouri, and... Unfortunately, I only have like 2 days to hunt with my bow here before heading out to Colorado with a good friend of mine on a mountain goat hunt. So, it's kind of a bittersweet deal missing out on archery season, but obviously a mountain goat hunt is kind of a once in a lifetime thing. Most people will never do it, and a lot of people that do get the privilege of going out only get to do it once. So, I can't miss this opportunity, but I definitely look forward to getting a couple days in ahead of time and then coming back strong checking out what the deer are going to be doing and hopefully having some success out in the whitetail world. I hope you guys enjoy the show. It was a lot of fun recording it like I said, and I promised a lot of pictures on Instagram. So as soon as you're done listening, you definitely need to go check the pictures out and you'll understand more after you listen to the podcast. But In the meantime, please join me in welcoming Drew Edwards.
1: Like, he was doing things that were just badass.
0: That was one of the coolest moments of my life. I was really scared, but knowing that Dane had the gun, I did have the rifle, like, we would be okay. Okay. Alright guys, welcome to today's show. With me is Drew Edwards. He is one of my longest hunting buddies. Not like height-wise, but we've just been hunting together for a long time. And we've hunted all over the place. I mean, where all have we been now? Texas, Colorado.
1: Texas, Colorado. Wisconsin. Missouri. Missouri. Yeah,
0: that's a given. Uh, I think that's...
1: Arkansas maybe?
0: Arkansas probably. Yeah, I mean we've fished other places. Yeah. But we've been, we've been hunting all kinds of stuff, everything from whitetail to doves, waterfowl, all that stuff. So, Drew, why don't you start by sharing a little bit about your hunting history, what kind of got you into the outdoors, fishing, camping, all that stuff.
1: Yeah, so started hunting uh, at a young age, mainly down in Texas, um, at Grandpa. Um, has always had a big ranch down in Texas and had the privilege of being down there and kind of learning how to, uh, shoot whitetails. The, uh, the cheating way. Um, <laughs> it's definitely up, cheating, definitely cheating, but grew up shooting whitetails at feeders, um, shooting hogs at night, shooting raccoons at night, just kind of doing all the, all the crazy stuff that you can do in Texas that you can't do anywhere else. Um, but then, uh, once I started getting get old, old enough to come up here in Missouri, when we moved up here, when I was I don't know, eight years old, six years old, something like that, we started hunting up here, and my dad got me out up here once in a while, and then as I got older, I was hunting with my friends and fishing with my friends, and it's just kind of taken off from there, and now we spend a lot of time outside. The wife might think too much time, but...
0: Yeah, that's typically how it goes, though. That's what part of it. I don't even know if I've asked you this before. What's your favorite thing to hunt? Or is it fishing? I
1: think, I think it changes every season. <laughs> um, I used to hate turkey hunting. Uh, I had a real bad spout with the turkey hunting for about seven or eight years. I didn't shoot a single turkey, and I spent way too much tra- time trying to shoot a turkey. And probably just chalk it up to my inability to sit still and wait because I'm an antsy guy and I like to get up and I like to go after him. Drew moves a lot. I move a lot. I do do a lot of stuff fast. But this year, I took a couple chill pills and I sat back and really kind of made it happen this year with the turkey and uh, shot two turkeys this season, this spring season and really kind of reignited my love for turkey hunting. But... It does not come close to duck hunting. I don't think anything ever will come close to duck hunting.
0: Yeah, duck hunting. I mean, that one's been kind of back and forth for me. When I first discovered it, like up in Wisconsin, and you know, Wisconsin waterfowl hunting is way different yeah. than Southwest Missouri duck Can hunting. Someone
1: say it a little better than Southwest Missouri. Yeah,
0: yeah, I think that's the right pronunciation of the word. Yeah, but I mean, when I first discovered that, that was crazy. Going from sitting in the freezing cold in the woods of Wisconsin for whitetail to duck hunting, that was my favorite for a long time. And then I think I probably switched to bow hunting. Hunting deer with a bow, that quickly became a passion.
1: Yeah. yeah it's kind of hard to beat the rush that you do get when you have a deer 15 yards and just a bow and arrow. Yeah. And not much room for uh, forgiveness
0: yeah, I think I think a big part of it is, I mean, with whitetails, it doesn't end when you let that release go or pull the trigger. Yeah. You know what I mean? Just You're, you're just, just like, starts. I know, like blood trailing deer. Yeah. It, I almost don't like it when I see it like tip over and take its last breath because part of the excitement is like that walking through the woods, yeah. checking the leaves, checking the tree trunks and just trying to see if there's blood somewhere. With duck hunting, though, it's like you pull the trigger. You, I mean, first of all, you get super excited when you see birds coming in.
1: Yeah,
0: They get locked up. Your heart starts going a little bit, but you don't have enough time to really think through it. You don't right. have that, like, roller coaster effect. Mm-hmm. It gets exciting. You pull the trigger. The duck dies, and you're immediately like, I want more ducks to come in.
1: Yeah.
0: You know, it doesn't last very long. Yeah. And so I think that's a big part of why whitetail hunting is probably number one for me.
1: Yeah. You have a longer span of adrenaline.
0: Yeah, you definitely do. Yeah. And duck hunting is just that
1: short burst of (laughs) locked up coming in. Bang, they're dead. Do it again. And so you have the spikes.
0: Do you like when deer come in, I mean, I'm sure you experience some degree of buck fever. Yeah. For me, it's like, I see the deer come in and I get excited But I don't get jittery, I don't get shaky until after I hit that release or pull that trigger. That's when all of a sudden it's like you almost feel cold. All of a sudden, you're just like, Oh my gosh, it just happened!
1: Yeah, I think I'm the opposite. I mean, this last archery season, I shot a doe in the evening, opening day.
0: I mean, you basically could have jumped and yeah, I mean, the
1: doe was hardly at five yards and it was right underneath my stand had no idea I was there she wasn't huge by any means and but she was I saw her come from you know 300 yards away and I started getting the jitters <laughs> and I just I don't I, I couldn't figure it out I couldn't it's a small doe like I don't know you know it's not that exciting yeah but it was oh yeah and so I I had a burst of jitters like three or four times before that thing even was right underneath me and uh once it got underneath me luckily i think i had gotten my adrenaline through my system enough times where it finally like worked its way out yeah to where it was just stone cold killing at that point and uh you know allowed me to make a good shot and you know she uh didn't make it 20.
0: so like with that one yeah you didn't have to blood trailer yeah yeah
1: i watched it take like three steps and fall onto the bean field I was hunting over and so that was pretty cool um but yeah I mean it is really fun blood throwing an animal but you know I would I don't know if I would what I would rather if I'd rather just watch it die you know might be the opposite I might want to just like see it die real fast yeah you know because I don't want it to suffer like you do But uh,
0: I don't think that's exactly how it was framed
1: (laughs) but yeah I I think uh I think there is a level of excitement and adrenaline you do get when you're blood trailing a deer. And uh like a few years ago when you shot um that buck we called Chop Six. Yep. We shot him in the middle of archery season. I think it was it after rifle season? Before. It was right before? Yeah. Yeah, and so I remember that. We had corn in the bean field that we hunt over during that I think.
0: Yeah, every year we have beans and corn kind of surrounding some of our stands yeah. and the past several, it's been beans, so and we've beans. been kind of hoping for corn again.
1: Yeah, yeah, because that was a good year. But uh I remember you calling me, and it was, ex- you know, I, I was 35 minutes away, and I hopped right in my truck and jetted out here at the speed of light. Yeah. And uh, to come help you blood trail this deer that made it like five feet over the fence, but you thought it went further.
0: Yeah, That's I heard it. it. I mean, I heard it crash, so that, that was a crazy hunt. We had seen this deer on... Trail camera and back then I really believed in like culling poor genetic deer and since we've been a lot more educated about antler potential you know you can't see it right away Um, I mean you can notice it right away if it's got really good genetics but if you take one like poor rack buck out of the gene pool it doesn't really affect a whole lot I mean you're you're doing very minimal but that one I was convinced it had to go. I had dozens of encounters with it, seeing it out in the field, just never coming close enough. And then I realized exactly where it was coming in and out of its bedding area. And I actually shot twice at that one. Mm -hmm. The first shot, it was at 39 and a half yards and it like, it kind of loaded up like it was going to take off, but then it didn't go anywhere. And I was like, well, that's weird. I mean, I made the shot I lost the arrow in flight, and so I didn't know if I had hit it or not. But it was just acting funny. It was licking its back, and then it went back to feeding after 35, 40 seconds. And I was like, man, I better load up another arrow. Yeah. So then when I did that, um, it had fed a few yards closer to me, and I think it was at like 36 or 37 And I shot and I remember I lost the arrow mid flight, but I heard it whack. And at that point I knew it was, it was a good shot. I mean, it just sounded like the rib cage. And so it turned and took off, hopped the fence and it was, I mean, it was running for a decent amount in the woods. And then I heard what sounded like it crash and then nothing after that. Right. So that, at that point I called you
1: Yeah. And Our Seth. buddy
0: Seth was out yeah. here already, and we we walked out, looked for the arrows, found the first arrow, no blood on it whatsoever, no hair, nothing. And then, it wasn't until you got out here, I think, that we found the second arrow. Right. And at that, I mean, we looked at the arrow, and it was pretty clearly yeah, was, a long shot. Yeah. So. Blood all the way through. But, yeah, it didn't go very far, but it was exciting. Yeah. Going over the fence, looking for blood, and then, I mean... I think probably five yards inside the fence we looked up and saw it. Yeah. But it's thick enough here that you can't see very far, uh, especially from a tree stand if you're looking into the woods. Yeah. The, especially
1: with all the leaves on the, you know, still early season. We still have all the leaves on our trees.
0: Yeah. But it's been fun hunting out here. Mm-hmm. So where we're hunting is a private property. Um, the gentleman that lets us hunt out here is super cool let us kind of do whatever i mean we fish we do every type of hunting we can Mm -hmm. um but whitetail has kind of evolved into number one priority yeah probably because the duck hunting is awful (laughs) yeah
1: because we're in southwest missouri
0: you can go an hour and a half to two hours in any direction and have pretty killer duck hunting and right here it's just like we get pretty excited if we shoot one or two when we go out (laughs) Sometimes we get excited if we see birds when we go out, Yeah. but this year we've done a ton of work on the property as far as land management, trying to improve deer habitat, food, so we've got a couple food plots in, which before we dive into this, I've got to show Drew a picture because we always have worked together on like habitat improvement, on scouting, and this year he wasn't able to be out here when we were putting food plots in. Um, but I actually paid a guy to come out and put a food plot in. So he came out, we knew the, it had to be brush hogged. So one guy came to do that. And then I had a different guy come out to disc it. Well, he went to disc it and he couldn't get the blades in the ground. And I knew it was pretty hard ground, but I was like, you have a tractor, dude, you can get the disc in the ground. So luckily he had a two blade plow on the back. He struggled for a long time getting that in the ground. And then the gentleman that um, does crops out here, he came out with a much bigger tractor. I said, hey, can you come tell this guy how to run his tractor? Because he can't figure out the adjustment on the back of the tractor that, that lowers or raises the plow. So he came over, showed him, finally got it plowed, got it disked, everything. Well, he was having a really hard time even with the adjustment, getting the second plow in the ground. And so before I left, I looked over, and he had a wife that, she was a pretty large lady, and he decided that she needed to sit on top of it to help weigh the plow down. So I actually have this picture from trail camera that I haven't showed Drew yet, and it is right underneath his tree stand. (laughs) (laughs) So I'm gonna post what this one because it's that good. Uh, he has his wife. I mean, fully kind of sprawled out on the on top of the discs. She looks thrilled, <laughs> and she is oh helping God. to add weight to hopefully get depth on on the discs um, in the woods where we had him put a food plot. That's a sight. Yeah, I've showed a couple people that, and everyone is just like, "How in the world?" do you go about asking your wife to be the extra weight on the back of your tractor
1: I don't, I don't think you do if you I to have a successful marriage
0: dude i yeah so uh, before before jeff left the guy the cattle farmer and the guy who puts crops in out here he looked over and he saw it like he saw her on the back of the plow and he just said well i guess there's one more use than just keeping you warm during the winter. <laughs> was That's like, horrible, man, it's, I mean, that guy has a pair on him yeah. to ask his wife to do something like that. Yeah. But Jeez. yeah, anyways, we got the food plots put in and we started getting camera pictures, which we have a lot of good deer out here this year. Yeah. I mean, I don't think any of them are the same class as a deer we called big easy. Yeah. But there, I mean, we have several probably one hundred and forty to one hundred and fifty class deer out yeah. here, which you don't hear a lot of that in Southwest Missouri. I mean, up in Northern Missouri, obviously you get some giant deer, right? But. Yeah, it's uh, shaping out to be a good year.
1: Hopefully, yeah. we'll see. See, see who shows up in the uh, in the fields whenever we're out there. But it's uh, there's no telling now. Yeah, they're they could be here this week, and they could jump the road and go to another property,
0: you know, yeah. in two weeks. The, the strange thing here is, I mean, we're out in the country, but there's not a ton of hunting pressure like in adjacent properties. Yeah. We have nobody hunting to our north, right. nobody hunting to our west. It sounds like maybe one guy up over the back 40, mm-hmm. um, but that's it. And then when you go south, it's a ton, it's a river bottom first off, A real steep hill, perfect bedding, tons of acorns, and then as soon as you cross the river, it's hundreds of acres of beans and corn. Yeah. And there is one person that archery hunts probably 400 acres. Yeah. I was just looking on it, on Onyx, and
1: it's right at, right at like 450.
0: Yeah. Shout out to Onyx. You guys are awesome. Yeah. Go ahead and sponsor this. That'd be great. It would be. I love their app. It's not bad. They actually sent me the hat that I'm currently wearing because at the time I had an Apple Watch. And I said, hey, you guys should make an app for the Apple Watch because you could use it if you're out in the field, especially the new cellul- cell ones. Yeah. Um, and you could do offline mode on it at that point. But the battery life was longer than the iPhone. And it's way easier to just look down at your watch than it is to pull your phone out of your hunting gear. Right. And so they sent me a hat and said they were going to bring it up in the board meeting. Yeah, that's pretty sweet. I don't have an Apple Watch anymore. I wonder if they ever did that. We'll have to look into it. Yeah. (laughs) But, yeah, we love Onyx. I mean, we use it all the time for scouting, for trying to get permission. Um, In fact, we discovered this year because of Onyx that we frog-gigged on a property that we no longer had permission on.
1: Yeah, that was interesting. Sorry to the people in uh, Frisco, Texas that own that property now. Yeah. Um,
0: won't do it again. Yeah, but you have killer frogs out there. Yeah. I mean, monsters. Yeah. So that was a good time. Checking trail cameras, we got a ton of good deer on camera. Uh, a lot of does, a lot of fawns actually. There's been for sure three fawns that we've been watching since the first week they were born yeah. and they've all made it so far. Yeah, the twins and then the seagull. Yep. It's with mama all the time. And today, I'm going to post this picture on the Instagram page to get everyone's thoughts, but I'm pretty sure we just got a picture of an albino buck on trail camera right before we started this podcast. Yeah, we're hoping so at least. I, it's... It could be a light deal, like where the sun just hit it, Right, but, I mean, how many pictures have we looked at and never seen something that color? Probably (laughs) 100,000. Probably pretty, yeah. I mean, like the one camera we pulled today had 2,955 pictures on it.
1: Yeah, so we've seen a lot of pictures of deer, and neither of us have ever seen a deer that light colored in any situation.
0: Given it's a blurry picture, it's not standing still, like it could be... That we don't have an albino buck out here, yeah. but could just be a classic uh, Sasquatch pi- picture. Ooh, that might be it. So. Yeah, Sasquatch evolved to run on four legs now. Yeah, and grow antlers. Yeah, I mean nobody could disprove that yeah. honestly. So right. we're just gonna go with that's the facts. But um, yeah, we got three. Can
1: we, can we close your phone? I want to look at her. Now. You just keep looking I, at her. I'm kind distracted. Of, kind
0: of spread eagle yeah. on the back of her, that.
1: Her form is poor.
0: Yeah, she, she could have used better form for weight distribution. Yeah. yeah. I mean, she did kind of even it out all the way across the, the back of that disc.
1: Yeah.
0: Um, that's, a lot, that's, a lot of <laughs> that's a lot of weight on the pinion of that track. It's kind of got you flustered I, just she, thinking about. It's <laughs> uncomfortable. <laughs>
1: yeah. I just I keep going back to like that conversation that guy had to have with her. And just like you're saying, he had a pair on him.
0: I feel like whoever shoots the smaller buck this year. We should have a bet that you have to ask your wife to be extra weight in some form or another. (laughs) You're like, is my my marriage worth that?
1: It's unfortunate for Brad because he's going to be the one that shoots the smallest deer in general this year.
0: Yeah, we need to get him in on this. So we have several people that hunt out here. It's myself and Drew. We spend far more time than anyone else. But then our buddy Brad is probably next in line. And then we have some other guys that are here like maybe one or two days a year. But it's 230 acres that we have access to here. And then we have more just down the road, which we haven't really spent any time deer hunting on. I think we could, especially with them putting beans in that river bottom field. Yeah,
1: that's going to be a killer rifle spot.
0: So we may have to check that out and keep you guys updated on that. But anyways, it should be a good year. Who out of the deer and i don't know that we've gone over all the names of the bucks yet just a couple of them but who out of the deer just describe for the listeners which one you would most want to step out in front of you
1: i don't know there's a the narrow tall guy that is interesting looking super tall and yeah he's real tall and i mean it's it's just it's kind of a crapshoot because you know him or the wide eight there's that real wide eight.
0: There's a wide eight that I'm get. He's got to be 22 inches. Yeah, he has some split. really,
1: really tall tines and everything on him. Yeah, kind of had the package. And then isn't there another one that has the club? Is that a separate ear? Or is that the?
0: <clears throat> that was the wide eight early on. Yeah. Yeah, still in velvet. It looked like he had a pretty big club coming off his left side, but it's just turned into just
1: more antler, more
0: antler. You yeah. know, more of his main beam. And I think he started to split and grow a a ninth point there, right. but it didn't develop into right. anything major. Yeah. So I don't know. I, and then there's Jimmy Grove. Yeah. That's the only deer you know the name of. Right. Um, it's, and it's there's a, a whole story behind that. I try to keep this a somewhat wholesome podcast, so we probably won't go into that one. But.
1: For the kids.
0: For the kids, yeah. We could do earmuffs and just say it, but we'll wait. Yeah. So uh, this Buck Jimmy Grove, it has... Seriously, long main beams. I mean, the most recent picture we have of him, the beams are probably an inch and a half to two inches from meeting in front of his head. Yeah, which I think that would be a really cool buck to get. Yeah, not tall-tined, but just a, a lot he just of has some length on him. A lot of inches because of those main beams. Yeah. So, yeah, I don't know, man. It's a tough one. Which one? Uh, actually, you know what? I do know which one I would most want to take. What's that? The, the buck that showed up recently that's got like the bow curl almost uh, yeah. on his G2s. Yep. I'll show you a picture just because I like looking at him. This guy right here. Yeah. That is probably that's, inch for inch the biggest deer we've yeah. got out here this he year. He has the full package and going on. From his body size, I mean, he's starting to get the sway in the back, so I'm guessing he's a a four-and-a-half-year-old. Yeah. Which we don't get a lot around here. I think the last four-and-a-half-year-old we've had out here was Big Easy. Yeah. Um, And he was a tank, but he got shot opening day of rifle season, like two miles down the road. Right. Luckily, we got a picture of Big Easy after he was killed just to see what he looked like up close and personal.
1: I don't know if you would say it's lucky. I was more just sad and upset. Yeah.
0: I mean, sometimes, though, sometimes though, you just don't know what happened to them. Yeah. And so I'm glad, one, that a hunter took him out instead of coyotes or disease. Or a road hunter didn't take him out. Yeah, that's good. Because
1: we do live in southern Missouri, and there are a fair share of road hunters. It's not uncommon. That do some damage around here.
0: There's plenty of stories of people hearing tires squealing, a gunshot, a couple doors, and then tires squealing taking off again. Yep. Which, luckily, we haven't had a crazy issue with that here, but the guy who lets us hunt on his property kind of opens it up for a lot of people. Yeah. And you had that one time when you were sitting in the hay bales. And didn't that dude come in and sit next to you yeah
1: pretty much like 15 yards away from me i had a headlamp on i was doing jumping jacks at four in the morning getting his attention trying to get his attention and this yahoo just walked right up on me just i don't know how he didn't see me he had to have seen me and uh that was the end of my hunt pretty much he came in i was pretty pissed off and i waited till first light came up and i decided to start making some noise and (laughs) Walked out.
0: Well, Brad had that same thing. Wasn't it the same day? He had someone walk up in the woods behind him, Mm -hmm. and he was trying to get their attention, and they posted up. I mean, they were at least 50 yards away from him. Yeah, up
1: in the corner woods. But
0: then they kicked out deer, and he ended up shooting a doe. So I guess that worked out.
1: Yeah. Yeah, it was a massive doe, right?
0: No. I think the biggest doe that Brad's ever shot is close to the size of a German Shepherd? <laughs> yeah.
1: Maybe a golden retriever?
0: Not like those gigantic German Shepherds that you see like in Chuck Norris movies. Yeah. But yeah, not very big. Yeah, They're really easy to clean.
1: Yeah. And get back to the house. Yeah.
0: You can just carry it underneath your arm. Yep. No quartering necessary. Yep. Yeah. Maybe we'll throw that picture up too of his deer from last year. Just so people get an idea of the size. Yeah,
1: next to the other does we shot that day.
0: Yeah. Sometimes he, like, just spray paints the spots brown. Yeah. After he shoots them. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, they taste good. They do taste good. It's kind of like veal. Yeah. But, but, yeah, Brad, we love Brad to death. And he does shoot some pretty decent bucks out here. Yeah. But.
1: Shot one really nice buck two he years did. ago. Three years, two.
0: Yeah, and, I mean, it's cool because, like, when we shoot deer out here, And then we look at trail camera pictures, we've, we can tell genetically like which ones are coming down the same line. Yeah. And so he's, the buck that he shot, I think is probably, um, a couple generations above the tall one that we've got this year, tight, tall, I mean, pretty decent mass and yeah. So he comes out and shoots small does and decent bucks. Yeah. Which I can't blame him. Yeah. It's fine. Feeding the family. Yeah. But
1: fairly important.
0: Oh, yeah. Yeah, last year he had a rough year. Yeah. But we had pretty good years. You got that doe. Last year, dude, I just had the best year of my life. Yeah. And a lot of people told me to just quit hunting after last year. Yeah. Because that was, I'm trying to think, it started with Alaska, the blacktail hunt. Got that one. Went down to Colorado, had a mule deer tag and an elk tag. And shot those both in one day, yeah. And then it was like not even a week or so after that that I got the first buck with my bow, and then another one with the rifle. It was insane. Yeah, it was a good year. It was.
1: was, Yeah, we both put a lot of meat meat in the freezer, dude. A ton. Because I had my trips. My trip to Wyoming. The when when was that? Must have been September for uh, antelope season. And I did the uh, the doe antelope tag in Wyoming. Non-resident. Non-resident. How much was that? It's Forty bucks. Holy cow! And so we uh, you do have to put in for a draw. So I'm not trying to blow up Wyoming with more antelope hunters, but
0: people are gonna hate you.
1: Yeah. <laughs> hey, <laughs> Stephen Rinaldo did it first, so
0: yeah, that's true. He has he's a, got he has, he has a got got more a couple hundred thousand more people. Yeah, listening yeah, he has a couple stuff. more
1: people listening than, than we do right now. But uh, going out there was fun. We put in for the draw, didn't get picked up first. Then we got an email that we could do a last chance draw as a group. So the three of us put in, and we got three tags on the last chance. So we went out there for seven days and walked all over the freaking place. Um, like probably it was probably like ten miles a day. I felt like of just going to. It was just. A complete public land hunt situation and um, we finally I think it was the fifth day we kind of got tired of walking around looking for antelope we saw this farmer's field it was an alfalfa field it was just covered in whitetail and it was a uh, doe, they had a doe season with um, an unlimited quota. quota and so we went to the uh, sporting goods store, and we all bought whitetail doe tags and talked with this farmer. He gave us full permission to shoot as many does as we could. And I mean, we we drove a truck out there. We didn't have a lot of cooler space. We were expecting to come home with a couple antelope. And so uh, we ended up shooting, the three of us all shot a doe that day from the same spot separate times all within like four hours of each other so one person would walk in shoot a doe drag it out other person would walk in shoot a doe drag it out all from the same spot two of the shots were like 40 yards the other shot was like 160 yards um but that was crazy just you know stacking up meat was nice and then the last day that we got to hunt Wyoming we got a we got permission to hunt um, on one of the it belongs to the military so it's technically public land but you have to have a special permit to go in there so we got a permit and hiked in and found a big herd of antelope and dropped one I don't know a couple hundred yards away nice and so that was pretty exciting See, so,
0: so antelope turned whitetail turned back to antelope back to antelope but success with both
1: yeah yeah, we only shot one antelope on that trip, um, but you know, I wish we could have all three shot antelope that day, but it just wasn't in the cards. And yeah, but at least we came home with some, and still have quite a bit of antelope meat left.
0: Nice, because I've
1: been trying to save it for my other two buddies that we hunted with, or that I hunted with, and uh, trying to get them both to be in town at the same time so we could all
0: all enjoy it all
1: enjoy it because we all put the effort in to get that one antelope yeah and spent a lot of time doing it
0: yeah a lot of miles a lot of miles it's definitely interesting I mean was that your first western big game hunt uh yeah yeah so what do you think of that compared to sitting in a tree stand for whitetail or sitting <laughs> it's it's
1: definitely more my speed yeah um g- going back to the whole like you know attention span and it's kind of hard for me to just sit still. And so big game, Western big game hunting is fun. Just being able to go out, walk around, you know, you don't have to really be quiet until you're about to do the thing. And uh, yeah, so that's, it's probably one of my favorite types of hunting. Yeah. It's, you know, behind duck hunting. Well, this
0: year, this next year, we're going to get a big group of guys together. And we're going out after public land elk yep. in Colorado. Yep. And I'm excited because at this point, I think I'm the only one that's going on that trip that has experience with it. Right. And I don't have... I mean, I've only got two seasons of it. Right. Under my belt. So I think it'll be fun. It'll be cool to learn. And it'll be cool to see if we're able to get it done. Yeah. So... Yeah, it'll be a blast. But, well... One question that I'm going to ask all of the listeners on this podcast and I didn't give you any heads up, but if you could go back and tell your beginner hunter self one thing that would make him a better hunter, a better outdoorsman, what would that be?
1: Probably go back to being antsy as as a younger kid, you know, growing up shooting deer at feeders and stuff like that in Texas. You didn't have to be patient. Yeah. And so I wish my younger self could have learned to chill the hell out when I was a child. <laughs> right out of the and kid. Like Which sounds stupid. Like if I ever have a kid, it's going to be hard for me to have the patience for them to, because they're not going to be chill either. I yeah. guarantee it. So I wish that I could have learned at a younger age to be more chill. And I'm sure my father tried to instill that in me. And I'm sure he got the just annoyed like <laughs> crazy by me. 'Cause I was always just moving around, fumbling around, eating chips and crinkling the bag and
0: Well, I think part of the reason you have the nickname that you do from me. Nobody else calls you it, but I call you it. Right. Is because you don't chill out and so you end up getting hurt sometimes. Yeah. Drew does a ton of like extreme sport type things, things that people get hurt in all the time. And so I gave him the name years ago when I lived in their basement after i think it was right after you split your head open with a wakeboard yeah i gave him the name lucky charm yeah so you're still in that you're still as that in my phone yeah still am but
1: i've been a little more lucky recently yeah i think i think it's coming with age i'm getting a little more scared i know drew a lot more calculated
0: we just put the most secure tree stand up i've ever seen for drew i mean Drew's the type of guy who would have just stood on a branch hunting before. Yeah. And now we put five Timberlock screws. Five 10-inch timber locks. That along with two ratchet straps yeah, on his tree stand. along thing. with
1: the straps. And that thing is built to last.
0: Yeah, that so thing will be up there until the tree comes down. That's,
1: that's what happens when you start getting into the construction world and start building stuff. And
0: Thinking about needing to eat if you get hurt.
1: Yeah, yeah. There's got to pay the bills now, so yeah, I can't just fall out of a tree thing (laughs) anymore. I don't bounce as well anymore either. No, you
0: definitely don't. We we have started feeling the aches and pains of age.
1: Yeah, so that's why uh, I think I I, I say everyone. That's why Dan and myself are going to be wearing harnesses more. Yeah, we better at that.
0: We we've heard a lot about that on podcasts, and I finally was kind of convicted of not wearing my harness Mm -hmm. as much as i should and i mean growing up i never sat in a tree high enough to need a harness i mean i could reach the base of the platform yeah just standing there or i would just sit on dead trees that were tipped over and now i mean we're putting trees up there so it makes sense
1: yeah yeah especially with this stand we just put up it's near 20 feet up in the tree which doesn't sound like it's really tall
0: it feels but really tall. you get tall. up
1: there, and you are questioning quite a bit of things in your life. <laughs> and uh, you're rewriting your will. Yeah. Luckily, we got a. It's a pre has a pretty large platform on it. It has the. Uh, has the dummy catcher on it that yeah. flips down in front of you, so you can lay your head and take a nap on it. And but we'll definitely. Be slinging up a harness up there as well.
0: Oh yeah. So. Well, let's do this. We'll close it up. And I started a segment called Emptying the Chamber. And that is any final thoughts that you have for our listeners? I
1: don't know if I have any final thoughts. That's all right. I I think we've covered it. You don't have Um, to.
0: You already emptied the chamber then.
1: My my final thoughts are probably going to be with me for the next few days thinking about that picture. Yeah of uh, that
0: nice lady. Oh, gosh. Um, Yeah, we're going to have to find another picture to look at to scrub that from uh, our memories.
1: Yeah, I might just go put my head in the ground for a little while.
0: It's a rough one. I hope you all enjoy it when you look at the um, Instagram page. I think my final thought would just be, as seasons have kicked off now, I mean, Dove Opener just happened. I know western states are out hunting all sorts of things at this point. Yeah, Just... Be safe. Be courteous of other hunters. Um, because we've had a couple issues with other hunters already, even with dove hunting. Yeah, Hunters coming and setting up, given it's public land, but you know, less than 10 yards away from us when there was a whole field to hunt. Yeah, And it was funny. We didn't even have the best spot on the field. No. But they chose to sit right next to us. Yeah. So we didn't care a whole lot. They had kids with them, and we were hoping that they... You know, could get their kids on some birds and teach them safety and all that. But it was unfortunate to see the lack of respect for other hunters. Um, and, you know, the kids witnessed that as well, yeah. whether intended or not. So, yeah, be safe, um, respect others, respect the land, and God bless. You guys have a great week. Thanks, Drew. Thank you. And that is going to do it for episode number four. I hope you guys enjoyed listening. Like I said, Drew and I both had a good time recording. And you should check out his stuff at Mo Chicken Taco on Instagram is his handle. Yeah, you heard that right. At Mo Chicken Taco. No idea why, but that's how you find him. And check out that content on Instagram that we were talking about in this podcast at The Nomadic Outdoorsman you can find it there. It's pretty good stuff. And as always, please leave a review or rating because that helps us as a podcast come up with better content for you. Um, It also gives us good feedback on what you like and dislike. So go help us out by doing that and have a great week.